Hello everyone and welcome to Therapy in a Nutshell. I'm Emma McAdam, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the podcast where I condense mental health skills into bite-sized nuggets of help. Imagine this for a moment. Have you hooked up to monitors that measure your anxiety? They can tell when your anxiety increases with perfect precision. You also happen to be strapped to a chair, sitting on a trapdoor over a shark tank, filled with very hungry sharks. You're perfectly safe in the moment, but then I come in and I tell you, look, you're safe right now, but if you get to a level six of anxiety, I'm gonna have to drop you into the shark tank. So just don't get anxious and you'll be fine. So you try your hardest to not get anxious and you try to force yourself to not be anxious. And I can constantly say helpful things like, remember, don't get anxious. The more internal and external pressure about your anxiety, the worse it gets. And as you see your anxiety creeping up the scale from a four to a five, the pressure mounts and you worry about what's gonna happen if you get there. Before you know it, your anxiety is shooting through the roof and click, drop, splash. Now, now folks, I would not do this to you. This is just an analogy, but many people do this to themselves. Many people with anxiety, chronic pain, panic disorders, depression, tinnitus, vaginismus, muscle tension, and strong emotions in general often experience something like this frequently. The harder you try not to feel anxious or the more you worry about and pay attention to your chronic pain or your tinnitus or whatever, the worse it gets. When we fight and struggle against our thoughts and emotions, we tend to make things worse. In this video, which is skill number five from my course, How to Process Your Emotions, you're gonna learn how to tell if you're making your emotions or your sensations worse. And in the next two videos right here on my channel, you're gonna learn how to escape that cycle, how to get better at feeling so that you can resolve really intense emotions and feel more peace and happiness in your life. Okay, so just so you know, I've been there in the past. I've had a couple of anxiety attacks, right? I know what it feels like to struggle with your emotions. One of the times was when I lived in Argentina and I had been under a lot of stress overall, but one day, you know, everything seemed just fine and I was just going about my day when all of a sudden I started feeling like really shaky and sick. And then I started to worry, you know, what's the matter with me? And then I started to feel shakier and sicker. And then I started to worry about how this was gonna mess up my day, right? We had a lot of important appointments. Um, what if I wasn't gonna be able to get to them because of how I was feeling? And pretty soon I was just sucked into these waves of anxiety and everyone was worse than the last. Now I was trying my best to calm down, but you know, everything I did was making it worse. And eventually I had to call a friend over to help me. And when he came over, we talked for a while and you know, he was really gentle and comforting. And, um, you know, I took a break. Eventually I calmed down. And when I did, all the nausea and, and the sick feeling went away. And turns out I wasn't sick. It was all stress and anxiety and fear that was causing that physical sick feeling that whole time. But the harder I tried to make it go away, the worse it got. And this is one of the real paradoxes of emotions. So there's a lot we can do indirectly to change how we feel. A lot you can do to get better at feeling in your life and to get feeling better. But if we try to stuff our emotions or we try to like, you know, force our emotions to change in the moment, we often make things worse in the long run. And this can be hard to see because for many people, 
the only emotional skills they were taught were like, get over it, look on the bright side, relax, try not to think about it, right? So as children, a lot of us were taught, you know, it's not okay to cry or feel sad or be angry. And to be honest, putting an emotion to the side for a while in order to complete a task is a really helpful skill in the, in the short term. So for example, think of a police officer who responds to help at a horrible car crash. Now, this officer needs to be able to focus and perform their task in the moment and push their emotions to the side for a moment. And that's a really effective short-term strategy. But if that's their only strategy, then over time, those emotions are going to build and build. Many police officers are really good at suppressing their emotions. But when they do this in the long run, it can lead to higher rates of alcoholism, divorce, and suicide. Emotional suppression isn't an effective long-term strategy because emotions beg to be processed and resolved. And they do this by popping up over and over again. Most people have simply not been taught other ways to work through emotions. So for that officer, he or she would need to add the skill of processing through those emotions later so that those suppressed feelings of stress and anxiety can get resolved. But the problem is that our instinct is to avoid things that are uncomfortable. Avoidance of or struggle with our emotions is one of the most common responses people have to them. It's like we just want them to go away so that we can get on with our lives. Maybe we try to brush them aside as quickly as possible. In my therapy practice, I frequently see people trying all sorts of things to try and make their emotions go away. So on a micro level, it's just like little things like trying not to think about it or spending a lot of time distracting yourself. But since those aren't sustainable practices, you know, the emotions keep getting louder and louder, people end up needing to do more to suppress their emotions. So then they end up doing things like drug and alcohol use, um, shopping addictions, overeating, uh, using sex to escape. So things like pornography addiction or having unhealthy relationships. And, you know, it just keeps going on and on. There's a lot of ways we try to suppress or escape our emotions, right? Gambling, media addictions, and just avoiding people or places that make us feel things like anxiety, right? Or another one that's a form of avoidance is procrastination, right? Now, there's other less obvious forms of avoidance too. Um, letting your dreams die, uh, keeping your dreams small, blaming other people, anger and defensiveness, uh, or even just making decisions without really taking the time to consider the options, right? Acting impulsively to make a problem go away. Now, what do you notice about all of these avoidance strategies? Do they make your life better? All of these attempts to avoidance lead to more problems in the future, not less. They lead to us feeling worse and needing to avoid more. So they perpetuate the cycle of feeling crappy right? Take a minute right now and get into your workbook and take the survey about avoidance. What are your avoidance tactics? What do you do when you're trying to avoid your feelings? In the long run, struggling with or avoiding emotions make them more intense and it usually makes them worse, right? Okay, are you tired of metaphors yet? When the only skills you have are things like resist, suppress, try not to feel that way, etc., it's like you're in a tug of war with a monster a struggle for your life, and you're using all your strength to keep from getting pulled into this great chasm between you and the monster. You're afraid that if you don't fight with your depression or your anxiety, that it's going to pull you into a pit of despair. 
but it's exhausting to be stuck fighting your feelings. In the next couple of videos and throughout the course, I'm going to teach you some counterintuitive skills that will help you drop the rope, drop the struggle with your emotions. You can overcome depression and anxiety, but in this episode, we're just going to focus on identifying ways that you might be making your anxiety or whatever worse by struggling with it. Okay, so here's number one. You judge emotions as good and bad. You tell yourself that sadness and anxiety are bad emotions and that happiness is the only acceptable emotion. You think that because an emotion is uncomfortable, it's a negative thing that just needs to be escaped or avoided. And sneak peek into the course, sometimes painful emotions do need to be resolved, but all primary emotions serve a function. And when we judge our emotions, we don't help ourselves process through them. So, for example, healthy guilt helps us make repairs when we've messed up. Healthy fear can keep us from falling off of cliffs. And just because an emotion is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad. Among mindfulness characteristics, a judgmental attitude towards one's thoughts and feelings is the strongest predictor of both depression and anxiety. Okay, number two, you're stuffing, you're clenching, you're trying not to cry, you're trying not to feel, you're trying to numb yourself or zone out. Or you do what you can to avoid an emotional situation or to distract yourself or to white knuckle your way through it while you wait for it to pass. So these are perfectly fine reactions for the short term, but if you try to use them over and over, they don't work in the long run. So with uh, muscle tension, anxiety, nausea, all these attempts to stuff your feelings can actually make them worse. I worked with a client in the past who every time he got sad or stressed in session, he would clench his face like so hard and tight, trying to not let the emotions get too strong, trying to force the tears to not come. And this just triggered panic attacks over and over again. He was triggered by having emotions. His habitual reaction was to fight them. And this led to a cycle of panicking over and over. And the harder he fought this hopeless battle to not have feelings, the more depressed he felt. When he started to learn to be gentle with himself and to be open to emotions, the panic attacks and the depression greatly decreased. Okay, number three, you're negotiating, right? When strong emotions come up, you plead with the universe. Why? Why is this happening to me? This is so unfair. Uh, maybe you get stuck worrying about the future, right? You say like, what if this lasts forever? Or you say something like, I can't handle feeling this way. Now there is a time and a place to explore these questions. There may be some underlying causes to what you're feeling, but if this is something you do regularly, you know that it almost always leads to despair instead of helpful action. It's like you're trying to um, plead before the universe that it's not fair and then hoping that the universe is going to say, oh yeah, you're right, and then it'll just magic your feelings away. Now, and just, just a reminder, a mental health diagnosis like depression does not tell you the cause of your depression. It doesn't tell you that it's permanent. It doesn't tell you anything other than these are the symptoms that you're experiencing and they meet the criteria for depression. It's more helpful to explore one skill you can learn, like letting go of the struggle, than it is to spend a lot of time pleading with the universe to magic these feelings away. Okay, the fourth sign that you might be making your anxiety or emotions worse. You shame yourself. You say, I shouldn't a lot. I shouldn't feel this way. I should be happier. It's the feeling of trying to force it that often leads to hopelessness. Shaming yourself is like banging your head against the wall and hoping it helps. Saying, I shouldn't feel sad. 
often makes people feel sadder. Saying, I shouldn't feel anxious, makes people feel hopeless or anxious. This doesn't mean that you're going to feel this way forever. There's a whole lot you can do to get feeling better. It's just that shaming yourself gets you stuck in the cycle of struggling against your emotions, which makes things worse. Okay, Uh, number five, you're catastrophizing. You're assuming that these symptoms mean something. So with every little symptom, you assume the worst. So if you feel a little pain, you think, what if there's something wrong with me? Does this mean I've got cancer? Or if you start to hear your tinnitus, you think, oh no, what if my tinnitus is really bad today? Or you start to feel a little anxiety, and you think, oh, this is terrible, I can't function at work with anxiety, what if it gets worse? Catastrophizing exaggerates every emotion you have. So in the next skill, you're going to learn all about willingness, the skill of feeling what you're feeling without freaking out about it. Okay, number six, you're checking. You're constantly checking your symptoms. Uh, like saying something like, oh, how's my anxiety going to be today? Now, you are the CEO of your brain. What you pay attention to tells your brain what's most important to you, and what you pay attention to is what you get more of. When you hyper-focus on the pain point or on uncomfortable emotions, when that's what you think about or talk about or ruminate on, you tell your brain that sadness or tinnitus or anxiety is the most important thing to you. So, Your brain complies by making more of it, by making it louder. Joey Ramony, who helps people heal from tinnitus and vertigo, says, I know that people have healed when they stop describing their sensations as symptoms. When an uncomfortable sensation or emotion pops up, you notice it, you acknowledge it, you validate it, and then you gently redirect your attention to what's most important to you in that moment. What you pay attention to, you get more of. The seventh sign that you're stuck in a struggle with your emotions is that you're distracting. You're always keeping busy. You're never slowing down. You're spending too much time on your phone. You're procrastinating important things because you just don't want to face them. Now, there's a quick test for this. If you stop moving, if you just sit still for a minute and that makes you feel worse, then you're probably stuck in distraction. So this is like running away from an imaginary monster. You think that you have to keep running so that it doesn't catch you. But I promise if you, if you sit and you let it catch you, you'll find that you can handle it. That it's better than running all the time. Okay? So you're not bad. You just need some other tools. There, there's a reason you're gripping, right? The people I know with anxiety and depression, they aren't lazy. They're often desperately trying everything they know to keep from getting pulled off of that cliff of their anxiety or their depression. The problem is not lack of effort. In the tug of war, you're afraid that if you stop struggling, you'll fall in. You're afraid that if you don't keep doing it, you'll fall into some deep despair, you'll fall apart, you'll stop functioning. But the struggle takes so much energy. I'm not saying quit trying. I'm saying drop the rope and try something different. In the next video, I'll teach you the practical skills to drop the rope. Practical skills that will let you step away from the drama, the struggle, the fight with your feelings, and and move toward a life of peace and meaning and freaking joy, right? There are at least two antidotes to the struggle. Emotion processing and willingness, which is a key to emotion processing. So in my emotion processing course, you're going to learn dozens of skills to manage intense emotions, work through them, and resolve them. So stay tuned. Let's do this. This podcast was adapted from a YouTube video from my YouTube channel, Therapy in a Nutshell. So if you'd like to see more of my videos, check that out and go subscribe on YouTube. 
Also, you can sign up for my newsletter at www.therapynutshell.com. Thank you for listening and take care.